Welcome to the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association's podcast. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to every person. This Bible teaching was given in the tabernacle in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Visit OceanGrove.org to learn how we are fulfilling our mission to provide people of all ages with opportunities for spiritual birth, growth, and renewal through worship, educational, cultural, and recreational programs at the Jersey Shore. Welcome and good morning to Bible Hour on Friday, June 25th. I want to welcome you all here. I want to tell you what a joy it is for me to be looking out at all of you, all of you that are here with us today, all of you that are watching on the live stream, and through the miracles of technology, I'm actually going to be speaking into the future because some people will be watching this in the middle of winter. Praise God. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 145, verses 17 through 20. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and, and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Please pray with me if you would. Father God, this morning, we praise you for your righteous ways, as well as your love for us. How amazing that you love us. How precious it is that you are so near to us whenever we call. Not only have you given us the righteousness of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, but you continually watch over us and work in us to transform us and work in us to become more like Jesus. What an overflowing measure of love you place in each one of our cups. May you continue to grant us the grace to cooperate with your Holy Spirit's transforming power and make us to be ever-growing and faithful stewards of the works that you have planned for us before you even made the foundations of this world. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 It's a, it's, a, it's a privilege to do everything connected with Bible Hours Presider, but it's especially uh, an honor to always get to introduce our speakers. Uh, Dr. Jim Midling loves doing life with God and spending time with his family. His primary responsibilities at Open Door are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work in making him more like Christ by providing visionary, strategic, and directional leadership and teaching God's word with passion and clarity. And we have seen this this week, have we not? After graduating from seminary, Jim planted two churches, helped to revitalize another before coming to Open Door, where he's been since 2003. He has a doctorate in ministry from Asbury Theological Seminary in the Beeson School of Preaching and Leadership. His first book, Learn to Breathe, the surprising path to a transformed life teaches people how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is working to make us more and more like Jesus. Without further ado, Pastor Jim. Excuse me, I had pizza last night. 
Um, before I get started, uh, I've mentioned several times this idea of uh, an, an Israel tour, that I lead people on a trip to Israel, and some people have asked about it. And um, we're going, um, I'm, I'm leading a group in October 2022. I don't know if, if any of you are interested in going with us to, to Israel. We, um, we have a, a bunch of brochures that you can pick up. And if, there, uh, if you are interested, we, we'd be happy um, to answer any questions you have about the brochure, about the trip to Israel. It's a 10-day trip. Um, you may have known people that have gone to Israel. Our trips are, are unique in that it's not a sightseeing tour, although we see a lot of incredible sights. It is a discipleship tour. It's a teaching tour. So uh, I've, had, I've had a lot of Israel guides tell me that they've never seen anyone teach as much uh, in Israel as I do. <laughs> but they're not, they're not long teachings. They're, they're short 10, 15-minute meetings, but, teachings. But I, I walk you around uh, Israel and drive you around Israel, uh, and we stop at all these places where Jesus stopped, and we teach from the Word of God, usually from the Gospels, right where Jesus was teaching. And... And I open up for you uh, the uniqueness of the culture and the geography and how where Jesus taught impacts what he taught. And it's, I love it. I've, got, I've done this for years. And every time I go, I just, it's incredible. You sense the spirit of the Lord there. And, uh, and one person said, well, I think if you announce this tour, you're going to have a lot more than you can accommodate. So if that's the case, if, if we get enough people that want to, we can do a trip just for people from Motion Grove. But, um, but it starts with, with you, you know, checking this out. You know, here's the itinerary. Um, all right, so we've been, um, you know, every day this week looking at this verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, how um, Paul wanted to see the people of Ephesus renewed in the spirit of their mind, and uh, this is, I think, the ESV. And uh, I've been talking about that verse from the ESV and the NIV. And what we've been learning throughout the week is that we are renewed in spirit, small s. We are renewed in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. So this is not, you know, having a better day. This is not being inspired. This is the Holy Spirit breathing the life of God into you, which is... Just an incredible thought, isn't it? That the, that the Spirit of God would breathe into us as human beings the breath of God, the, the same breath that brought Adam to life in the Garden of Eden, the same breath that he spoke in creation into existence, the same breath that he breathed into Jesus when he was in the tomb and raised him from the dead. That breath, the Spirit of God, breathes into us. It's such an, and we've been talking about it. We might be getting used to this language, but I hope we never get over how incredible that is. God never calls us to live the Christian life and then says, okay, on your own, good luck. You know, no, he, he fills us, but not just fills us periodically. He wants to, this is where spiritual breathing comes in. He wants to fill us just like we are filled with the oxygen we, we breathe around in this world, he wants to fill us with his, spirits on a, his spirit on an ongoing basis. And I'm telling you, this is the only way to live the Christian life. This is why 
you know, people who ignore this, this is why some people get bored in the Christian life, which should never happen. You should never be bored following Jesus. But many are because they're not living the adventure of being filled with the Spirit of God and living in the power of the Spirit. So we've talked about spiritual breathing. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about the, how God, the Spirit uses the Word of God to shape us. And today, I'm so excited to talk to you about another way that the Holy Spirit renews us. And to help you see this, I want to invite you to turn to a passage that many people call a sister passage, a sister letter to the letter to the Ephesians. Now, when I use that language, does anybody know what letter I might be referring to? A letter that's considered sometimes a sister letter to Ephesians. Just shout out the word. Colossians. Did someone say Colossians? Okay. Amen. So turn to Colossians. And, um, and uh, let me just give you a little background while you're finding a, a Colossians chapter 3. Uh, the reason why people consider this to be like a sister letter is because when you read the two letters, there's so many themes that are so similar and so many times the language is very similar. Now, Colossians and Ephesians are two different letters written to two different churches. But there are no two letters in the New Testament that are as similar as Ephesians and Colossians. And so sometimes uh, interpreting Ephesians is helped by looking at Colossians and vice versa. And of, of all the verses in Ephesians and Colossians, one of those that's so similar is the verse, you know, our verse 423 in Ephesians with Colossians 3.10. So... Let me read Ephesians 4.23 in the NIV and then um, read it out of the, read Colossians and you'll see the, the language here that's so similar. So in, a, in a NIV, we've been looking at this verse that says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, you know, to be renewed in spirit. Verse 24, to put on the new self Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, now um, Colossians 3, verse 10. Um, be, uh, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Hear the similarity of language? Um, when, when Paul in Colossians is talking about this idea of being renewed, he adds this new concept of being renewed by God in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of our Creator. That's God. So there's something happening here where the Holy Spirit is using our increasing knowledge of God. Notice the difference between knowledge of God and knowledge of God about God. See the difference? Knowledge of God is a, a per person who's in relationship with God. I know God. I'm growing in my knowledge of him as I'm living in relationship with him. It's someone I know. Knowledge about is just information that I gather. I know a lot about some people I've never met before, but I don't know them. Knowledge of God, knowledge of our creator is something that happens in relationship. And who 
you know, brokers, if I can say that, that knowledge of God, that we're, 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 we're growing in the grace and knowledge of God, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. So all week long, we've been seeing how the Holy Spirit uh, renews us, renews our spirit, and here today we're going to explore how he renews us as he helps us know God better. That's the key thought. In fact, here's the phrase I want you to write down. The Holy Spirit is renewing us as he helps us know God better. So if you'd like to take notes, write that down. The Holy Spirit is renewing us as he helps us know God better. Now, some of you might be saying, I mean, really? I mean, I, I know a lot about God, and you may. But how well do you know God? And since I don't know all of you well, let me speak in generalities. And I can do this because I've been a pastor for over 30 years and because I've been helping people follow Jesus for 40 and one of the things that I have seen is that there is a gross misperception of who God really is in the church today. There is a gross misperception of who God really is in the church today. And maybe the worst thing about it is that people don't even know that they don't know God. There's a satisfaction with knowledge about God. There's a satisfaction with knowledge about godly things and a seeming apathy about pressing in to know God. Now, I will grant you, knowing God is not easy. It's simple but not easy. Do you know the difference between easy and simple? I mean, it's not difficult to know God, but it will require of you persistence. It will require of you a, a devotion, a desire, a perseverance. And most people today give up knowing God when hard, when hard times come because honestly, I really don't want to know God I just want God to help me. Right? I mean, I, I, if knowing God helps me, you know, in life, okay, then I'll, I'll know God. But my deepest desire isn't to know God. My deepest desire is just for God to do something for me. Help me through this problem. Help me through this crisis. Help me know what to do next. I want to use God more than I want to know God. We might need, we might need to start repenting right now. Most Christians... Treat God as I want to use him than they do want to know him. And I'm telling you, there are so many riches in knowing God that are at your disposal. This is your birthright. And it is the adventure of a lifetime. So I'm hoping today to stoke, in the spirit of Elwood Stokes, I'm hoping to stoke your fire. Did you guys realize we sang a song from um, Dr. Stokes today? Fill me now. It's the same guy, right? Elwood Stokes? I'm stoked. Okay. So, aren't you glad you came today? Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm stoked means, it's a way of saying I'm jazzed, I'm excited, I'm happy. That's cool. And so, um, 
So I, I want to help us to know God better today. And Holy Spirit, let me just pray. Holy Spirit, breathe into us. Breathe into this building. Holy Spirit, breathe into the words that I am going to try to speak that represent you. Holy Spirit, come and breathe your life-giving presence. We don't need to know more about God nearly as much as we need to know you, your character, your ways, your heart. Because as Jesus said, to know you is eternal life. So Holy Spirit, come. Do your thing. Breathe into us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this idea of being renewed in the knowledge of God, and we need to be renewed in their knowledge of God because we have so many misperceptions of God. How many of you are fans of A.W. Tozier? You know who he is? Okay. Uh, my favorite quote, and he's one of my favorite authors, my favorite quote from A.W. Tozier comes, Tozier comes in the beginning of his book, Knowledge of the Holy, where he says, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let that sink in for a minute. It's actually worth writing down. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, you pair that with my assertion that we have distortions of God, misperceptions of God, caricatures of God. Here, here's, here's the way I usually love to illustrate this. You know, you've all seen the political cartoons where uh, a cartoonist takes the, the features of a person and exaggerates them. So like with Barack Obama, it was his big ears. Uh, with uh, Donald Trump, it was his big hair. And so, you know, the big ears, the big hair get exaggerated so they're, they're a lot bigger than what they really are. That's a caricature. It's a distortion of what the presidents really look like. And that's what we do with God. We take a characteristic of God and we blow it out of proportion. For instance, the love of God. Is God full of love? Yes. Is God love? Yes. But he's more than just love. And if all you think about, if all you know about God is that he's a God of love and you do not realize he's a God of holiness, he's a God of justice, then you will have a caricature of God. You will misperceive God. And as long as you're in a distorted relationship with God, as long as you are misperceiving him, you cannot have an intimate relationship with him. And you will find that the life is hard. You will find that God won't do what you want him to do. And you will be frustrated with God because you're not in relationship with the true God. you got a caricature of God. You, you see how important it is that we have an accurate biblical understanding of who God is. And of course, I just gave away the key. It's got to be a biblical understanding. You can learn something about God through nature. You can learn something about God through people, through relationships. But there is nothing like the Word of God to help us know who God is. 
And the Holy Spirit, who inspired the Word, as we've learned this this week, He's the one that makes the Word of God come alive so that we have an accurate perception of who God is. And here's what Paul's saying in Colossians 3. We're being renewed. We can be and we will be renewed as we grow in our knowledge of who God really is, the knowledge of the, the Creator. And this is a lifelong process coming to know God for who he really is. It's a lifelong process of shedding my misperceptions. Maybe I should say it this way. Exposing my misperceptions, then shedding them and gaining a new and more biblical and more accurate understanding of who God is. That's a lifelong process. Actually, I actually think that might continue into heaven. I mean, I could be wrong. I've never been to heaven. Um, but you know, I, I think we're going to continue to know God. Because, guys, cause heaven is not going to be awesome because there's chocolate there, although that's pretty awesome. Or because there's ice cream. I know I've never been to heaven, but I, surely there's got to be chocolate and ice cream in heaven. Heaven won't be awesome because of what is there. It won't be the experiences of heaven that make it awesome. It will be that you will know God in all of his fullness, all of his beauty. Heaven is awesome because God is there. And there's no more distortion. There's no more uh, looking through a glass darkly. We will be with God. And that's why heaven will be so awesome. And that's why we will grow in heaven because, in a sense, God is un knowable because there's so much about him. I don't care how much you know about God, and I don't even care how much you know of God. There's so much more about him. There's so much more of him there is to know. And Jesus said to know him is life. So more we know him, the more life we'll have. So if you want to take notes in like an outline form, write down this. God wants us to know him. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he sent Jesus, and that's why he sent his Holy Spirit. God wants us to know him. That's why he sent Jesus, that's why he gave us his word, and that's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working in us to help us to know God better. Now let's turn to, back to Ephesians, because I want to spend the rest of our time in one of the greatest passages in the whole Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Ephesians 1, 17, where because Paul knows how critical it is that we know God, look at what he writes to these people he loves. Ephesians 1, 17, and we'll spend the rest of our time here. I keep asking, remember this, continual prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit. Stop right there. Ah, does your Bible have Spirit capitalized? Mine does, and I think it should. May give you the Spirit. You could stop right there, but let's continue reading. Particularly, the Spirit of wisdom. We've already learned He's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. Paul knows in the verse 17 that what we need is to know God better more than anything else. 
So no matter what the crises the people of Ephesus were going through, no matter how many false teachers, no matter how many difficulties they were going through, what they needed more than anything else is to know God better. Same thing is true for you. I don't need to know your stories to know, to be able to say to you that what you need more than anything else, now some of you are not going to believe this, but that's the job of preaching. What you need more than anything else is to know God better. Everything changes as you get to know God better and better. All of our problems in this world, listen to the, listen to the breadth of this statement. All of our problems in this world, my problems, the problems with me and my wife, the problems with my family, the problems with our church, the problems with our community, the problems with our state, the problem with our country, the problems with the world, you know, just, just go all the way out. All the problems of our world are boiling. We don't know God well enough. That's an audacious statement. Why do I say that? Because we don't trust God. Because if we trusted God more, we wouldn't be fearful. We wouldn't be anxious. We wouldn't be angry. We wouldn't sin. If we knew God for who he really was, that's Jesus. You know, he, he knew God better than anybody. It so fills us, that knowledge of God, that relationship so lifts us. I don't have to fear again. I don't have to worry again. I don't have to have no problem trusting because to know God is to love God and to love God is to trust God. Amen. The more you know God, the more you will love him. Amen. And the more you love him, the more you will trust him because our God is faithful. Our God is trustworthy. Our God always, always does what is best for us. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. There's never, ever been a thing that God has done that has been a bad thing. Everything he does is what is best for us. He's perfect. I see... Again, I keep saying stuff like this. We don't really believe that. We, we might, might intellectually assent to it, but if we believe that, the deepest parts of who we are, if we trusted God, everything would change. So the Holy Spirit's been given to help us know God because to know God is to love God, and to love God is to trust God. So this role of the Holy Spirit to renew us, to help us to know God better, is so key. So let's start plowing through this passage. Paul says, I keep asking that you may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know God better because knowing God is a process. Knowing God is a process. My daughter, one of my daughters has a tattoo right here that has the word process really big. And she put it right there, this tat right here, so she can constantly be reminded that life is a process. Knowing God is a process. Growing to be like Christ is a process. Discovering God's will is a process. Everything is a process. Life is a process. And knowing God is the heart and soul of this process. So Paul says, I keep asking, I keep continuing to ask this, verse 17, because 
I know that the more God answers this prayer, the more the Holy Spirit fills you, the more you need to know. I, I'm not going to be satisfied because I love you so much. I'm not going to be satisfied with you having this level of knowledge of God. I want you to have an accurate as possible. I want you to know God for who he really is and get rid of these distortions. Um, over the years, I've seen so many different kinds of distortions in, in people in their relationship with God. Uh, but let me talk to you about one of the ones that, that blew my mind and how God renewed me through this process. So I'm reading Matthew, um, what is it, Matthew 14, where uh, they're on the water, the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, I'll take you to the Sea of Galilee. We'll go on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. It's incredible. It'll blow your mind because it, the, there's parts of the Sea of Galilee that look the sa exactly the same way they did when Jesus walked on the water. And if we're lucky, Jesus will walk across the water. It's not happened yet in any of the trips I've taken. But hey, you know, it hadn't happened before Matthew 16 either or Matthew 14 either. So anyway, um, you know, they're on this, they're in this, they're in this boat, the disciples, and, you know, Jesus comes into the boat and the storm's raging. And, and you know, Peter says, or actually, Jesus hasn't come to the boat yet. Peter recognizes Jesus says, if it's you, tell me to come out. You know the story. And Jesus goes, dude, it's in the Greek, dude, Come. So Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water. And then you know the story. He looks down, sees the wind and the waves, and makes him afraid. He starts to sink. And Jesus, the Bible says, immediately he reached out and grabbed his hand and lifted him up. And then he says, Peter, where's your faith? Why did you doubt, right? You know? And I have always heard a little bit of exasperation in Jesus' voice. Peter, ugh, I am so exasperated. When are you going to get this? And the reason why I, I, I felt that way is because that's how I saw God with me. And I was reading this verse and the Holy Spirit said, God's not like that. He helped me see that there was a smile on Jesus' face. He helped me see that there was a, a chuckle, a lightheartedness, a, a fatherly tone in Jesus who said, Ah, Peter, where's your faith? Dude, I love you. You're so reckless. I love you, dude. And, and I, when I saw that, I'm like, whoa. It completely exposed my misperception of God, who I saw as kind of an angry, peeved, exasperated. Why is God exasperated with me? Because I sin so much. Why is he exasperated with me? Because I know this much, but I live down here. And I, I was raised in a Christian home. I, was, I went to a great college, met, a great, met my wife, went to a great seminary. I'm a pastor. I should know better. That's why God's exasperated with me. But see, guys, I didn't know God. Because love is patient and love is kind. And it broke me that day when I realized that God was not exhausted in his patience of me. He's not exasperated with me. That his grace knows no end. And that he has no exasperation in his spirit whatsoever when he thinks about me as his son. That's how much he loves me. That's how awesome he is. That's how gracious he is. That's how patient he is. And that blew my mind. And it absolutely breathed life into me when the Holy Spirit exposed to me my misperception of God and, and accurately helped me see what God was really like. It renewed my spirit. And I'm like, 
I just want to love you more, right? Because when these misperceptions get exposed, you love God more for his patience. You love him more for his kindness and his graciousness. His kindness leads to repentance. And I love God more today because I know God better. And that little example will happen again and again as God systematically exposes our misperceptions of him and corrects them with an accurate biblical understanding of who God is. Hallelujah. And that's the process of knowing God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's how the Holy Spirit renews us. Isn't this great stuff? We're just getting started. Okay, so they told me I could preach for three hours this morning. So, yeah, who's they? <laughs> so, this verse, I keep asking that the God of our Father the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's dial in to this language of give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's actually start with the second phrase, the second word, revelation. Fancy word that simply means to reveal, right? To expose, to uncover, to let us see. Write this phrase down. This is one of the themes of my ministry. Revelation is an invitation to intimacy. And you remember me saying this 20 years ago? <laughs> There's a friend of mine sitting in the front row that was in the first church I pastored. And I came up with that phrase, well, that's 30 years ago, isn't it? <laughs> and it's still a huge phrase in my life. Revelation is an invitation to intimacy. When God reveals something about himself, it's his way of saying, come closer. Come deeper. I, I want to show you. I've got something to, to, see, to help you see. I want to be in relationship with you. That's why I made you. And I want to be in an intimate relationship with you. So I'm revealing more of who I am. That's why I wrote the Bible. That's why I gave Jesus. That's why I gave the Spirit. I want to know you. I want you to know me because that's life. So every time I give you revelation, it's an invitation for me, of me saying, come on, Jim, come deeper. Come closer. Come on. I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. So Paul asks that God would give a spirit of revelation so that we would know him better. Revelation reveals God's character. Revelation reveals what God is really like. And since we have these misperceptions of God and these distortions of God, they need to get blown out of the water, guys. They need to get a trash. So, so since knowing God's a process, and since the Holy Spirit is systematically trying to expose the misperceptions of God, let me invite you to, to walk through a process that I see happen in so many people's lives. It's the process of knowing God. So I'm going I'm to have you write down a series of words. People who don't know God think of God as either a myth Write down that word as a myth. You know, I don't know what I really believe in God. Or if there is a God, he's irrelevant. God's a myth. He's a construct. He's a social construct that we made up because religion's the opiate of the people. And we, people need to come up with a religious figure so they invent God. That's, yeah, that's, that's still, still popular. It's amazing. If he's not a myth, then he's irrelevant. If he does exist, he's a tyrant. He's a capricious God. See, these are people who don't know God. So 
in their either in their atheism or they're in their a, in their agnosticism or in their flat-out ignorance, which is not a mean word; it just means they don't know. They think of God as this myth, as this irrelevant being, as this fickle tyrant. But once you become a Christian, once you come to know God, then you begin to realize, and, and this is not in order, but you begin to realize God's creator, and he's still creating. God's almighty. You begin to realize that God's a judge, and because you realize he's a judge, you confess your sin. You're growing in your knowledge of God. You've moved beyond God as myth, God as irrelevant, God as tyrant, God as capricious, and now you're realizing God is creator, God is love, God is a judge, God is almighty, and you're getting a biblical understanding of God to the point where you begin to see God as Savior. Now a line is crossed. When you surrender your life to Christ and God becomes your Savior, everything changes, but the process of knowing God does not stop, or it's not, it's not supposed to stop. You're supposed to continue to grow in your knowledge of God, your knowledge of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So what are you supposed to discover next? Well, not in any particular order. You begin to discover that God is a God who provides for you. God is a God who cares for you. God is sovereign. God is holy. And you begin to construct a biblical understanding of God. And I think the deepest understanding of who God is is the name that God is given in this passage. You may have skipped right over it. So go back to Ephesians 1, 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious, what's the word? Father. The glorious Father. Now you say, well, I know God is Father. Great. But there's, you want to grow in your knowledge of God as Father because this is Jesus's Favorite way to address God, Abba. And this word Abba, the Hebrew word for father, it actually is a, it's an intimate word. It means daddy. Here's the son of God, the eternal son of God, who's come to earth now. And when he addresses God, he doesn't say, oh, eternal God. <laughs> who from the beginning of creation, you know, this kind of non, no, Abba. Abba intimate father the one who provides for me the one i'm in intimate relationship read the gospel of john jesus refers to him as father again and again and again and again if you have a bad relationship with your earthly father that's going to affect your heavenly father but if you have and have had a good relationship with your earthly father that is a great setup for you to have a great relationship with your heavenly father because God gives us fathers to give us a beginning taste of what God is like. Mothers, too. Parents are, are given to give us a taste of what God is like, which should cause you to shudder if you're a parent. I do, because I have failed so many times. But see, God is inviting us in. And when we are living in a in deep, intimate relationship with God as Father, Oh, man, that's when everything's beginning to change. Abba, who loves me, just like you love your kid. Jesus said, if, if a son asks his father for, a, for a, a piece of bread, will he give him a stone? Another place he says, will he give him a snake? 
And of course the answer is, well, of course not. Fathers don't do that. Then he goes, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? God's a giving God. God wants to be in an intimate relationship with you. He's revealing himself. He is constantly saying, come on, come closer. Know me. This is life for you to know me. And he is, he is pushing beyond our sin. He's pushing beyond our reckless um, disobedience. He's pushing beyond our, our rebelliousness and patiently, lovingly pursuing us. This is why I love that song, Reckless Love, so much. Or is it Reckless God? What's the song? That's Corey Asbury, Reckless Love. I know I get in arguments with other pastors and theologians about the theology of that. I love it because it, it's, it exposes that God's love from our standpoint, is reckless. Why would God love and pursue a people who are so rebellious? <laughs> love. And what looks like reckless to us is actually very strategic because you need the love of God more than anything else in your life. That's what you need when life gets hard, to know you're loved, to know God, and not just to know about him. So God gives his Holy Spirit to reveal, a spirit of revelation to reveal, this is what God is really like. And that revelation is an invitation to intimacy. Amen? Every time he reveals himself, he's saying, come closer, come closer. So God's revelation reveals his character and that's, what's the next word? Paul says, I pray that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So if revelation of God gives us uh, insight into his, his character, what does wisdom give us? It gives us insight into his ways. When we know the character of God and the ways of God, we are a far way down the path of beginning to know God for who he is. His character, his ways, who he is and what he does. And see, these are the things we wrestle with. We wrestle with who God is and what he does. Why did you let this happen, God? What's that wrestling with? Are you really good? And why did you let this happen? I don't understand your ways. And so Paul says, according to Isaiah, his ways are higher than our ways. But see, the person who knows God intimately never asks, why did you do this and why did you let this happen? Because the person who knows God intimately, who is cooperating with the Holy Spirit to learn to know God better, understands that God's character and God's ways are unscrutable. They're perfect. And you, you've come to know him and love him. So even though you don't understand his ways, you trust him. Amen. I don't understand why you're doing this, but I trust you. And it's not a flippant I trust you. It's a deep, I've learned from experience that I may not like the first thing you say, or the first thing you do, but I've learned to trust that you are loving and you are kind and you are faithful. My wife and I, years ago, were going through a very, very difficult time, and everything was turned upside down in our, in our, in our ministry, in our family, and we were, we were, we were struggling. And I, one, day, one day, I grabbed Andrea's hands, and I, I looked at her, and I said, honey, let's go back to what we know. God is faithful. God is good. God is kind. God is 
helping us to become like Christ. Everything else is messed up. Everything else is so confusing. I'm hurting. I'm confused. This is hard. But let's go back to what I know, to what we know. God is good. God is faithful. God is kind. God is sovereign. God is working in my life. That's what I know. I don't know how else is going to work out, but when I put my faith in that God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you're good. I know you're loving. I know you're kind. I know you're faithful. You will finish the work you've started. Wow, that what a lift. I'm renewed in my spirit because now I can go, I can trust you. I, I can surrender because I don't have to have it figured out. Because I know God. I trust God. See, this is growing up in the knowledge of God. You know, all these years of following God, all these years of being a pastor, God still never asks me for advice. (laughs) And he still never tells me what he's going to do ahead of time. Why? Because if I know what he's going to do ahead of time, I don't have to trust him. And this man needs to grow in trusting God. And so do you. And so God brings you into situations that are scary, that are challenging. Water that's threatening to flood the boat. He brings you in situations so that you will trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you can trust him. And God gives his Holy Spirit to you to reveal who he is so that you will trust him So you will trust him. That's why he gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may know him better. Trust his character. Trust his ways. And in so doing, actually grow in the knowledge of who he is. And what does that look like? That's becoming more like Christ. And the more I am like Christ, the more I can trust God, the more I can move in the power of the Spirit, the more I see the fruit of the Spirit, the more I see miracles, the more I see things happen because nobody knew God like Jesus. And I'm supposed to be coming more and more like Christ. And that happens as I go through this process of spiritual breathing we've been talking about all week, receiving from the Holy Spirit His grace, His power, His insight, exhaling my sin, exhaling the toxins of my, of my, my sin and the distortions I have of Him, and I live in this spiritual breathing process. And that's how I come to know God. I come back to this spiritual breathing. I am renewed in spirit by the Holy Spirit as I learn to breathe. That's what my book is all about. As I learn to breathe, as I learn to receive His Spirit, who's revealing who God is to me. And as, and as I ex, ex, you know, ex, exhale those distortions, exhale the rebelliousness, exhale the sin, exhale the fear, exhale the doubt, and breathe in his grace, breathe in the knowledge of who he is, I'm living the life God intended. I'm becoming more like Christ. You see how this works? It all interweaves together. And as we practice the things we've been talking about all week, I'd love to preach all those sermons again right now, but I won't. It's 10 o'clock. As we practice breathing in the Spirit of God, this knowledge of God grows in us, and we are renewed in spirit. We are renewed in the knowledge of God, and we grow to become more and more like Jesus. 
Tomorrow, I want to talk about the, the, this phrase, in the spirit of your mind, Romans 12, well, 1 and 2, how we're renewed in our mind. And friends, the things I want to talk about tomorrow are, are transforming. The mind is the control center. And when we understand the renewal process, how God works for our mind, whoo, things start clicking and making sense. So it's 10 o'clock. Let me pray. Father, oh my, so much to see, so much to discover. That's because it's all about you. It's not information we're trying to gather. It's, it's, it's knowledge of you, your character and your ways. And so God, would you breathe your Holy Spirit into us right now? And I pray that even this moment and throughout this day, you would pick a one or two distortions that we have of you and pick at them. Expose them. These caricatures we have of you, these distortions of your character, expose them. No matter how painful it is, find a way, God, to expose these, to reveal who you really are. Reminding us that every revelation is also an invitation to intimacy and to know you is eternal life. So, Spirit of God, come. Breathe in us for the glory of God, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more about attending Bible study, worship, or additional programs offered by the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association, and for social media links, go to oceangrove.org.